So we're live. Welcome to the Atheist Experience. I'm Matt Delaney. Joining me this week, Don Baker. Hey, good to be here. All kinds of applause and cheering. This is a live television program sponsored by the Atheist Community of Austin in Texas. And we're live every Sunday from 4.30 Central till about 6 or so. Uh, We may run a little over because we're no longer under the constraints of public access about what we can say or what we can do. And uh, we talk about what people believe and why. Uh, Don uh, is, has got a topic that we're going to talk about, but uh, a couple of announcements to get out of the way. Um, Pride Festival went really well. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was over there for several hours in the afternoon. Um, I know that... They did uh, a recap of that last week. Yeah, I, I wasn't here last week, so... Uh, and this week they also built ramps. I saw oh, awesome. Anthony Magnabosco and, and uh, Phil so talking about the ramp building project. It makes a big difference. It's, it's a lot of little stuff, and it's... Yeah. Um, it, it matters not just in the sense, um, you could just say, I, I'm sure there are cynical people out there who would say, oh, well, the only reason you're doing this is so that people will think that you're better than you are. Well, okay. Um, that might be the case for some people. I have no problem with people being uh, having their altruism ultimately stem from something selfish. On the other hand, we people actually did good things for people. There were there were actual benefits to it. Yeah, uh, that should be celebrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm happy if people do the right thing for really bad reasons. Uh, which I'm not convinced that that's a really bad reason. But if people do the right thing for really bad reasons, I'm okay with that because the right thing got done. Right. Yeah. Right. If somebody wants to come over and, you know, fix my car because it's not broken, but if they did, uh, because it would, in, you know, ingratiate me to them, fine, I still got a fixed car. Well, a lot of people do charity because it makes them feel good. And, okay, well, is that selfish? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the kind of selfish that's just fine. I do lots of things that make me feel good, including helping other people. Um, I don't know what all is coming up, but I do know that we've changed where we go to dinner after the show, and they will get the address up at the bottom of the screen. It's uh, Star of India right there, 2900 West Anderson Lane. And Good uh, stuff. Good buffet there. I know there was something else that I really needed or wanted to say, um, but I, I can't remember it. And uh, it was, who knows, it could have been a rant. It could have been about how I'm not standing up for the pledge or the national anthem or any of that crap anymore. I'm talking about 9-11? Uh, uh, yeah, so it's 9-11, um, which in the United States is a fairly significant date because of what happened 15 years ago. Um, I, I still remember at the time, I believe I was still a Christian, or at least I, I was in the, this was in the, around the time frame of me finding my way out, so mm-hmm. I might have not been one at, at the time that 9-11 occurred, but it definitely wasn't much long after 9-11 that I, I no longer believed. And I remember uh, my one of my roommates came in and woke me up and said, you need to turn on the TV and watch what's going on. And it was right after the first plane had hit and they were starting the coverage. Uh, and I have this memory, which is probably a false memory, of actually seeing the second plane hit. And as I go back and I, I review things... Uh, well, they've certainly been on TV about a billion times. Yeah. Right? It, <laughs> I, 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 do, I think it may be the case that he, hit, he didn't wake me up until after the second one. But, mm. I, but because I, I sat there for like three days, I was unemployed at the time, and did nothing but watch TV. Well, yeah, and there were a lot of people just in awe of the whole thing. But it's... Uh, 
you know, it, it's significant, and we're 15 years on, and we could spend months talking about the positive and negative fallout from this incident, uh, you know, the encroachment on individual freedoms, uh, the uh, constant uh, attacks on Muslims as if all of Islam is one thing that we can lump into a bucket and, you know, uh, don't be wrong, uh, yeah. I absolutely despise uh, Islam and, and probably despise it even more than some other religions I despise, but that doesn't mean that I view all Muslims as necessarily problematic or in the same way. Well, the thing that, that really freaked me out about the whole thing was afterwards the, the, the rush to embrace Christianity and, you know, God, God bless America and all this God, God this and God that. And it was just kind of creepy. Uh, I guess the, the church attendance went way, way up, uh, right after that. And, and, uh. And has since dropped off. And has since dropped off as, as if, as if religion has an answer here. Religion was the problem, not the answer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe people figure that out. I don't know. But, uh, uh, there's a there's a great quote: uh, "Science flies you to the moon, but religion flies you into buildings." From Vic Stinger, who had been a guest on our show years ago um, before he died. Yeah, actually, we did a, a show in my old apartment in that tiny little one room yeah, where, where we yeah. did the ghetto. We did the the, the nonprofits episode with him there, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was great. Vic is sorely uh, yeah, so, missed. One off uh, interview show with him at one point too, so it's in our archives. Um, Anyway, today, uh, if we're ready, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a failure topic, although it is, it is, I think, uh, at, at its core of failure. Um, I'm, I, there were two articles in the uh, Austin American Statesman and probably a lot of other newspapers around around the United States uh, about uh, Mother Teresa and her canonization. And um, one of the privileges that Christianity gets is media promotion by an uncritical press. Uh, and I talked about this last time I was on uh, with regard to the Pope visiting Auschwitz, and and many of the themes of the two are are similar, and that the 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 press is being used as a as a way of publicity for the Pope and the and the Vatican and and its goings on. Uh, UPI and AP and other news feeds have embedded promoters of Christianity. It's that much is clear. Local newspapers publish the stories without much thought or editing, and so you get these kind of propaganda pieces or puff pieces that that uh, show up. and And these two definitely qualify. Um, they were both from AP. And they cons- they were concerned in, in early in September, September fourth and fifth, and uh, over the two articles, it's about eighteen column inches, and I think three column inches would have been plenty uh, in one article. Um, most of the Vatican-generated news is self-serving. It's interesting. Wait, are you saying that all Mother Teresa needed was three inches? <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna let, let that one lie. <laughs> There's no way to pass up that joke. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I could. I could amplify that. Anyway, uh, um, okay. So most Vatican-generated news is self-serving, and one of the fun things I like to do is, is say, "Oh, well, how does that how does that promote the Vatican if if there's a if there's a, an article?" And these two definitely do. So the, so let's uh, talk about facts about the article first. Uh, this, uh, the first article is from the Statesman, page A4, September 4th, uh, titled "The Pope Calls for Mercy on the Eve of Sainthood for Mother Teresa." He denounces the sin of indifference to hunger, exploitation, and other suffering while commending the example of Mother Teresa. He calls for more mercy and caring in the world, citing citing her and 
called the, her order the Missionaries of Charity Artisans of Mercy. So this is a, a promo piece for the Mother Teresa and her gang. Uh, the second article on the next day was page A2, Mother Teresa canonized by Pope Francis at Vatican was, was the title. He shames world leaders for the crimes of poverty they themselves created and praises Teresa for caring um, the most for the most unloved and unwanted, the poorest of the poor, which is kind of her, her brand name. Um, so in, in the analysis, the articles are propaganda, I, I claim, and we'll see why in a minute. Um, they are selectively omitting important facts and promoting the mythology of the caring nun and her order. Uh, and, you know, even in our popular culture, Mother Teresa is synonymous with unfel- unselfish caring and, and, and for the poor and such. And you, 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 you actually hear that phrase used. In, in earlier shows, I, I talked about the miracles attributed to her, and they were, um, I insist that they were ginned up to solidify her brand. Uh, the, the Catholic Church is promoting the Mother Teresa as, as part of a brand of Christianity, and, and you know, if a saint is a brand, then that, that does it. The Pope knows that the Catholics reading these articles have drank the Kool-Aid on Teresa, and they're not going to be very critical on it. The Catholic Church has embedded propagandists, and these... Out, news, local outlets are too lazy to check the articles, but I'll, I'll tell you what the secret story is. And this is all free brand promotion, much like how Donald Trump has used the media for his advertising over the over the campaign. So much of my material today comes from a book called, uh, um, from, by Christopher Hitchens called The Missionary Position. Uh, it kind of talks about some of the some of the the real Mother Teresa. And anybody who got upset over my joke really should be upset over the title of, of that. I mean, I, th- yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 a it's a cute pun, and he's he's got a good turn of phrase. Um, so the missionaries of charity, uh, how did they help the poor exactly? Well, they operated clinics which allegedly cared for people who were dying. The people there were not given medical care, even those that had curable diseases. The, you know, one of the things that they could have done to help people is they could have given them a, a bus fare or taxi fare to a, to a hospital where they would have gotten care. That would have been, that would have been caring for the poor and caring for these folks. Um, the, the people there were not given analgesics. They were meant to suffer. Um, and they did not allow people to leave to seek medical care. They were often made to go out into the slums to beg for food. They were not given food stale. They were given stale bread and these things. And, it's, it's, and the whole idea of misery and de- decrepitude were at- attributes that Mother Teresa promoted. And it was, I think, partly for show for people that were coming to visit that, that these really were the poorest of the poor and the, and the really downtrodden. And, and look at look at what little little effort we're, we we uh, you know uh, are able to provide to these folks and and greatly enrich their life. And this is really exploitation. And uh, quoting Mother Teresa, she says, "I think it's very beautiful for the poor to accept their lot, to share it with the passion of the Christ. I think the world is very much helped by the suffering of poor people." Okay, take take that in. She she thinks she thinks that their suffering is awesome and and a good thing and something to be promoted, and, and it, it's sadistic. Um, here's another quote: "Pain and suffering have come into your life, but remember, pain, sorrow, and suffering are but the kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have close, come 
so close to him that he can kiss you. So it's pretty sick, I think. Um, a sign over their morgue in, in, their, in Calcutta reads, uh, I'm going to heaven today. So it's kind of, kind of sick uh, exploitation, I think. So uh, Teresa was, uh, in my estimation, a sadist who tried to religiously spin the suffering of her victims rather than truly helping them. And you'll see why in a minute. Um, the missionaries of charity uh, to exploit the poor made a spectacle of the poverty, seeking to amplify the austere nature of their clinics. They removed furniture and carpet. They forced patients into stretchers and gurneys and dense configurations, and, and they didn't even have chairs to, to sit in. Um, they used primitive equipment by untrained people. Uh, in one clinic, they turned off the heat uh, in order to, I don't know, make it seem like it was a, 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 a downtrodden place. I don't know. While Teresa herself, when she got sick, she didn't go to these clinics. She she went to Europe. She flew flew in her little little one dollar sari and and went to went to uh, get some good care in, in Europe. So that that says says a lot. Meanwhile, the charities taking on massive donations. Um, we're talking we're talking at least hundreds of millions of dollars, possibly billions of dollars, if you if you count all of the all of the bank accounts, so they've got money squirreled away. But but this money was never used or rarely used for the poor. It was sequestered away in bank accounts. And the idea is that if they used money, this materialism is, is sort of contrary to the promotion of Teresa's cultish beliefs. And the flood of donations within this charity were seen as a sign of approval for God for the, precisely those beliefs. So, so the money was applause from God, but, but never was used to help the poor. And, and, and I think that this is exploitation, pure and simple, where you're, you're holding the poor up as, hey, we're going to help these folks, give us money, and then the money doesn't go there. What, what, what other way, what other, what other definition of exploitation are we looking for? As to, uh, the Pope's, uh, claim of crimes of poverty, um, consider that, uh, uh, while the Pope denounces crimes of poverty of world leaders, consider that Teresa was fast friends with Haiti's ruthless dictator, baby, baby Doc Duvalier, and his wife, each stroking each other's ego for the national media in, in Haiti. Um, she actually endorsed, endorsed them, um, even though they were leaders who exploited the poor and, and who, who built their country out of, out of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and fled Fled to uh, to seek exile outside when 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 their when their gig was up. Teresa was early on the scene in the Union, Union Carbide Bhopal disaster, killing thousands of poor there. Twenty two thousand, three thousand folks. She preached forgive, forgive, forgive long before any blame had been laid. Um, and 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 in an effect to try to interfere with the the justice that that should have come to those people. But the main thing that Mother Teresa did with her money was to manufacture poverty, in my opinion. Much of the money she spent went to sabotage family planning, contraceptives, and abortion within India. And Teresa said herself, God always provides. He provides for the flowers and the birds, for everything in the world that he has created. And those little children are his life. There can never be enough. And this whole idea of God will provide is, is just 
just pisses me off because you never, never, never see any of the religious people making this claim use their own money to provide, to actually do the providing and, and allow God to reimburse them. No, 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 no. They don't believe that crap. <laughs> Right. This is just a cynical way of saying, oh, you know, God wants you to be poor and God wants you to suffer. And and I'm going to orchestrate that. Um, Mother Teresa also said uh, in in a speech in Ireland, let us promise Our Lady who loves Ireland so much that we will never allow this country a single abortion and no contraceptives. And she just fundamentally didn't get the connection between poverty and overpopulation and um it's very clear if you to to even the most casual observer that if a country or if a people can control their reproductive rate they can control their poverty to a large extent and and she just she was just working overtime it also seems to work against itself this idea of hey we're not going to allow abortion and we're not going to allow contraception so we're not going to give you a perfectly acceptable means of preventing unwanted pregnancies nor are we going to allow you any way to uh, terminate an unwanted pregnancy uh, it's, it goes into this, you know, be fruitful and multiply. It's all in God's control. You guys just go out and, and have lots of sex and maybe, you know, use a rhythm method or right. some, something, the everything but program. Um, anything, anything other than actual contraception. And then, uh, you know, hey, whatever happens, happens. It's what God wants. Right. Or maybe he wants you to stop interfering in the lives and rights of other people. Uh, yeah I, yeah, I haven't heard him chime in on this yet. Right. I, I, I'm not convinced he actually agrees with you, no matter how many times you say it. Right. We got a little bit more. Um, if we want to think of um, Mother Teresa's saintly, uh, we we should maybe look at what she's done for quid pro quo. Um, Teresa had dealings with a lot of shady people throughout her career, and many of them were ruthless dictators and. Con artists. Uh, one of them was Charles Keating, who defrauded the U.S. investors in the 1980s of over $200 million. Um, he donated $1.25 million to the order, and it wasn't his money. It was the, the investors that he built. It was their money <laughs> that, got, that got donated. Um, she, she later wrote a letter to the judge, uh, um, Lance Ito, it turned out, the famous... Uh, um, O.J. Simpson judge, uh, to let him off, to, to basically you know, find it in his heart to, to let Keating go because he was such a good man. Um, uh, the, the assistant DA uh, asked her, Teresa, for the money, for, asked her to give the money back because uh, it, had been, it had been stolen effectively and, uh, and that, that uh, the, the sensible thing to do would be to return it to the people who, who had been defrauded, but uh, she never returned any of it. And um, so that, I think, tells you a lot about Teresa and, and her, her, the quality of her doings. And it seems clear, too, that she sent much of her money to the Catholic Church, and in return they adopted her brand, making her a saint. I think, I think that was quid pro quo, too, that a lot of that money is going to the Catholic Church. So in conclusion, Teresa was a sadistic creep, creepy, creepy, ugly, nasty woman who manipulated the rich, exploited the poor, and ran a racket to make more poverty in the name of her cult and her cultish beliefs. And she is not, not deserving any, any sort of veneration at all. Um, and the Catholic Church is exploiting the ignorance of its followers in order to create a fraudulent brand through lies and propaganda in the, in the local media. 
And they too, the Catholic Church exploits women as baby-making machines It's because their God can't do it. Golly. And babies who, uh, if the conditions are right, grow up to be tithers to that church. And I think that's a very cynical way of exploiting people as well, exploiting the poor. And the U.S. media is either in on the action, maybe they're part of the game, or maybe they're playing the part of unwitting dupes when they when they publish these sorts of articles. I, I think it's kind of sad. Um, and given that we know that the Catholic Church is lying about Teresa, something that we can easily verify, what makes you think they're telling the truth about any of the things that you can't verify, which is all their supernatural claims? So that that's it. Um, you know, I talked about this. I was in... Uh just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee last weekend when she was made a saint. And I talked about it uh, before I started giving my prepared talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. Obviously, you know, Hitch's book is a good read on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what troubled me, so a, a lot of what's happened is a bunch of people wanted to do something good, but were either, you know, unable to do it themselves or perhaps too lazy or looked for the most efficient way. And so they gave a bunch of money to someone who they thought was going to be doing good. And now, if they were to admit that she didn't actually do good, then they are doubly made mistakes because they gave money to somebody who didn't do what, you know, they should have been doing, uh, helping people. And so now that money is wasted and the time is wasted and their support is wasted. So it's in their best interest that the Catholic Church made her a saint because that validates... They're doubling down on their bad Yeah, that right? validates... Yeah, <laughs> their they, bad debt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to throw good money after bad, so let me just pretend that the bad money was actually good. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and so there, there's this whole thing. But also what's sad, uh, I've talked before about the limits of uh, verifying supernatural claims. That currently, until somebody comes up with some method or mechanism by which we can do so, there's no way to verify that the supernatural exists or that it interacts with the natural world in any detectable way. I mean, we're just stuck there until somebody comes up with a way to verify this. And yet, in order to become a saint, you're supposed to have two confirmed miracles. And I think for her, they might have only done one. No, they did two. Did they do two? I think one of them was she prayed and somebody got better. Well, somebody who was... Uh, the, 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 the woman um, had in her mind that she had cancer... But she actually had tuberculosis, and the the doctors treated her for tuberculosis and was cured. But she prayed and had her cancer cured, Ah. if you follow. Okay. (laughs) So that was the first miracle. The second miracle, the Vatican was a little bit smarter and and did their best to hide the facts. Um, And so it's very hard to verify. Yeah, the the big thing here, though, is in 2016, the Catholic Church is claiming that they have confirmed two supernaturally caused miraculous events. What a marvel. Where is your Nobel Prize for discovering the mechanism by which we can confirm this? I mean, I I was kind of hoping that we would never see any more new saints because the obvious problem here of saying, well, if we need two confirmed miracles to get a saint and we can't confirm miracles, then there won't be any more saints. I figured somebody at the Catholic Church would be smart enough to pick up on this. But instead, they don't seem to care. And when you're talking about the media, it's quality crap. they don't seem to care as well. Everybody wants to just feel good. Here's this woman who dedicated her life to torture. I mean, not torturing, <laughs> to, to helping people. And that's what they want to believe. Right. And so it's, it's in everybody's best interest who is deluded about the facts to make her a saint. 
And they will just continue to ignore this and, you know, oh, you guys, you guys just don't like Mother Teresa. Yes, we don't like Mother <laughs> Teresa because of what she was and what she did. Yep. Uh, somebody else made the comment that, you know, it's, it's interesting that atheists now have a saint. And what they're referencing is in her diary, she talked about her own doubts. I would recommend to, to all my atheist friends to never, ever, ever say that again. Because no, <laughs> every religious person at some point has had doubts or at least privately have probably had doubts. And the fact that she jotted down, down her doubts and concerns in her notebook doesn't make her an atheist. And when you start completely delusional. (laughs) Yeah. When you start claiming that, you are just as bad as the people who are trying to claim that Hitch had a deathbed conversion or any of these other things. Just stick with the facts and point out the problems. Don't try to do the extra joke of the Catholic church just made an atheist a saint. Uh, because yeah, I, if we were to be truthful about how many people don't believe but live their life pretending as if they do believe, there's probably tons of uh, individuals who have been canonized, etc., uh, who didn't ultimately believe or had their own doubts. But you don't get to claim those. Anyway, we've got a bunch of callers online yeah. uh, to get to. So we'll start with, uh, man, I'm getting a really bad echo. It's, it's oh, the, the door. Cool. So we've got uh, Zane in Atlanta. Thanks for waiting. Hello. Can you all hear me? Yes. Hello. Um, I have uh, four questions. I'll um, say one word what the question is, and I'll let you pick which ones uh, you want to talk about. Okay. okay. It's like a game show. <laughs> <laughs> it is a show. Anyway, um, skepticism. Effectiveness, responsibility, or identity? Oh, well, let's start with skepticism. Okay. Um, I was in another city uh, when I had called you earlier, and um, I was talking about um, how God can be proven. And um, you were speaking how you want to know how God can be proven. Correct. But that would be something trivial for God. Right. Okay. Um, so then I was thinking... Um, with the extreme um, hypotheticals we went to, um, if that's not proof of God, is it... What, what was um, the extreme hypothetical? The amount of skepticism that you're practicing. So okay, is it so, that you're being too skeptical, or is it that the theists are being too gullible? Okay, so first of all, I'll say that the answer to am I being too skeptical or are theists too gullible is theists are too gullible. Um, I'm not convinced that there's any such thing as too skeptical. Uh, skepticism properly applied... Um, is not the same as cynicism, and it's not the same as... It, it has Denialism. nothing to do with just denying everything and turning it up. It's about asking questions and, and establishing good standards of evidence. Um, now, there's, you mentioned that there was a, a hypothetical, uh, over-the-top scenario that we came up with last time? Yes. Okay. Do you remember what it was? Um, we had talked about... Um, really, I didn't say... Well, um, Really, I had meant to say if, you know, what describe what God had looked like. Um, so I was going to say if a Middle Eastern Morgan Freeman appeared in front of you mm-hmm. and he could do every single miracle um, you could name, you know, would that be proof that God exists? Have you ever been to Las Vegas? <laughs> Have you ever no. watched one of the magic shows in Las Vegas? I mean, they, they do some awesome stuff. Um, and, you know, does that mean, does that mean they're, well, they're God or what? 
So, no, I mean, you could go up to any one of them and say, okay, grow this limb back, and none of them are going to be able to do it. So to, to stick with your example, um, I love Morgan Freeman, so I'm happy that he's the one who's appearing in, in God yeah, form or yeah. the guise of God. Um, yeah. And, and, if, and if, I, worse, yeah. if I start naming miracles and he just, you know, seemingly does them, um, you know, I would that be uh, sufficient evidence to believe that Morgan Freeman is God? Well, I don't know, but it would certainly be sufficient evidence to justify that Morgan Freeman can seemingly do almost anything I ask him to do. Now, whether or not that makes him God is kind of a secondary question. Um, but if he stood here and did all these things and said, I'm God, I'd say, okay, I, you know, I certainly believe that you can do those things. You've clearly demonstrated this. And if God's the label you want to go by, I could perhaps see where it would fit. But I don't know uh, what exactly that gets me. But here's the big thing. Let's assume that we were both in agreement that that would be really, really good, like almost incontrovertible evidence that Morgan Freeman is God. Uh, or that God appears to look like Morgan Freeman in order to make me more comfortable with him. Uh that never, ever, ever, ever happens, and nothing remotely like it ever happens. Nothing even close to anything remotely like it ever happens. And it's funny because when we have these conversations and we ask for evidence and we ask for examples and we talk about what sort of thing would convince you, and, and, and we give these, these outlandish examples, even if I'm willing to concede that, yes, that would be sufficient, it doesn't change the reality of what we have right now, which is Morgan Freeman has not demonstrated any powers and neither has anybody else. And, and that makes me just wonder, for the people who do believe, what convinced them? That's the reason why we ask, what do you believe and why do you believe it? And when we assess the why behind that, that's the important part, that's where we get to determine, okay, am I... Um, uh, being cynical, not, I won't say too, too skeptical, but am I being just cynical or, or uh, contrarian? Or are the believers too gullible? Do they have lower standards of evidence? And without fail, every believer I've ever spoken to, including myself when I was a believer and other members of my family, when you finally get them to the point where they explain why they believe, it is always insufficient. It is always rooted in a fallacy, dependent upon faith, because they are brought up that way. May I interrupt? Yeah, go ahead. Why do you believe? Oh, uh, the point of the question wasn't really to uh, really say there has been proof. Um, it's just trying to think of what would be good proof. Because we have plenty of examples of what we um, will call not good enough. Yeah. So let's just get to what is good enough, and then can we scale it back? Can it be something less extreme, and that will still be proof? And then what's the lowest we could go to, See, which will be this is God, God proof limbo. Yeah, this, this, this is <laughs> let's lower the bar. <laughs> this is an incredibly useless dance. Uh, this is this is pointless. So, what good does it do us to sit around and say, you know what? I think if I saw this happen, I'd believe in God. Can I lower the bar a little bit more? Can I maybe do this? Because first of all. Even in that scenario, uh, as Arthur C. Clarke pointed out, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So I would have to at least remain the, open to the idea that some uh, incredibly technologically advanced civilization was able to produce something that looked like Morgan Freeman and could apparently do these things. I don't know how you rule that out. I don't know how you can ever rule, rule those things out without having the sort of knowledge that would make you God. 
And but when you're if you if you start with that stuff and start lowering the bar down, um, let's let's just say that this was a good method that that we were starting with. Morgan Freeman does whatever the hell I tell him to, which would be awesome. Uh, and we start lowering it down until we find out what the minimum is. What if that is my minimum? Um, no, that would just be it. Like, can God be proven to you? Because um, there's a lot of Christians that say, oh, um, atheists, they have the proof, but they just don't see it. Um, yeah, but here's the thing. The question you just asked. There's no acceptable proof. Well, then you're kind of like being a solipsist, which you have hung up on before on the show. People saying they can't be sure of anything. No, no, no. That's not what solipsism is, but we'll set that aside for now. Um, here's the thing. When you say, can God be proven to you? That's not my problem. If there is a God, that God should be capable of demonstrating its own existence. It should be easy. And yet it doesn't happen. Yeah, and if, if Christians supposedly have this evidence, or if, if atheists are denying it, you know, use the call to tell us what we're missing. Please. Yeah, well, what, we, what is we, it we, we're not seeing? Know. Yeah. What, is it that, what is it that you think should convince us we that there's open. a God, and yet we remain unconvinced? Give us your best evidence. Uh, I think with the first call I had on the show is that... Uh, my best evidence wouldn't be evidence that's useful to another person. My own personal experience would be useless to you. Absolutely. I, I mean, we're in complete agreement there. So so let's set aside your personal experience for a moment. Is there anything else? Um, not really. And um, that's kind of why I think I'm different from most theists is that um, um, absent of your own personal um experience that lets you know God is real, uh, you shouldn't expect for another person to think God is real. And also where I had looked up um, in the Bible where it says, the fool said in his heart there is no God. And you know with the language that if you say um, a person says within their heart, they believe it to be true. So it's not that they're denying, they really don't think there's a God. So, 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 so you, wait, hang on, you know the, <laughs> do you know the rest of that verse? Uh, Psalm fourteen one. You can go. Me. Yeah, the fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." You know what the rest of that verse says? No. They are corrupt. They can do no good thing. Do you believe that I can do no good thing? You can do good things. Cool. So you disagree with half of that verse? How, how can you disagree with half of a verse in a Bible and, and, and point to, to the other half the truth. <laughs> as if it's true? Oh, I was actually trying to um, help out atheists when they say they don't believe in God, and then atheists will say, no, you do believe, you're just lying to me. Okay. I well, was actually trying to use that to help out, saying, yeah, no, bullshit. it's unbiblical to say that atheists don't exist, that they're just all liars. Yeah. Because in the Bible, it says atheists do exist. Yeah. It also, said, it also says that we are corrupt, evil beings who can't do anything good. Is that? I mean, you don't believe that. So this is the problem, is that you're you're referencing something in part, by picking and choosing the thing. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, you're, you're using that verse to, to, oh. to counter theists who say this. But what we had said was, um, you believe based on your personal experience, and you don't think that there's anything other than personal experience that would convince or should convince somebody. Well, uh, I just haven't found something other than personal experience that is worthy enough for me to walk up to another person and tell them God is real. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean it. here, but I want to make a point that, 
you know, it's like you, you've come to some conclusion and you, you lack the ability to sort of convince other people of it, but, but you want other people to lower their standards so that you can feel justified no, in your belief. I don't want you to lower your standards. I just want to find out what your standards are. Well, so we, we don't believe because we don't, haven't seen sufficient evidence. That's that's where our so I'm going to I'm going to agree with you on on the on the fact that your personal experience is of no use to me. But I have a I have a kind of a follow up question there. Why is it that you think your personal experience is good enough to convince you that a God exists? What personal? I mean, because I can't imagine a personal experience that I could have. That would convince me that a God exists, especially if I'm unable to independently verify it with other people. I mean, right off the bat, when you talk about, hey, I've experienced something, um, but I can't, I can't get anybody else to verify it. I can't replicate it. All of those things. Um, right off the bat, there's delusion, well, all, all sorts of things mistakes. that come in. There's all you know. sorts of foul- ways yeah, we're think, fallible. Uh, let's say, I don't know if you could tell by your voice, but uh, I mean, I don't know if you could tell by my voice. But, okay, I grew up in an all-black neighborhood, been told plenty of time that, you know, all white people are racist. I grow up. They I are. drive out to a city with mostly white people. I find white people that are very nice to me. I can't, you know, that's my own personal experience. I can't prove it to the people back in my own community. But, hey, sure. I have that experience. I found out the truth. Sure. It's but but, great. The type of, but the type of personal experience you're talking about is what you're doing is you're saying, I have had interactions with real people. And this is my experience of that. There's nothing remotely extraordinary about that. That's a completely different thing from saying, I have had experiences with a supernatural being. Those are two different things. I believe that you've met people. Uh-huh. I, I believe that well, you've. I, I believe that you've met white a, folks who are. It's not an are, extraordinary claim. Is, yeah. is the shorthand of that? I, I, for, on, on the racist thing, I'm convinced that everybody's racist or prejudiced or biased in some sense. But it doesn't surprise me at all that you've met uh, white folks who weren't overtly hostile uh, to you just because of the color of your skin. Because I know plenty of people like that myself. I mean, so there's nothing. You know, like Don was saying, there's nothing extraordinary about the claim. When you then say that you have personal experience that convinces you there's a God, now we're in a completely different ballpark. Um, I think um, and my personal belief... No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think I'm still in the right place with my belief. If you believe something is true, but then no, you can't prove it to other people, you should limit to what you do with that belief, depending on how much you can prove it. So... I think I have it in the right place. Well, I, I, I agree with you that it, you know, you, you know, Hume said that you apportion your confidence level to the evidence, um, and if you are convinced that, you know, you have a justification, but it's not good enough for anybody else, then that changes the way you interact, and I, I can appreciate that. Um, the big question, though, is still is what personal experience have you had that you think is sufficient? I think that would be a question that would be uh, getting us off topic because I think it would be pointless for me to um, divulge that story to you, and then for you to be. Well, it that's may not be convincing to us, but we're we're kind of wondering why it's convincing to you. So it's a difference. Oh, we're uh, sort of changing changing the question a bit here. Because because for example, whatever story you tell me, 
It's certainly not going to convince me because I didn't have the experience. But I am able to put myself in your, your shoes and say, if I had this same experience, would I then believe? And that gets us to, oh, the, the, okay. to the point, which is, is one of us too skeptical or one of us too gullible? Okay, I see your point now. Um, basically, uh, I don't know, since, since I formed good memory, I've been noticing I've been having dreams in which later on, while I'm awake, those dreams are reenacted. And I knew since 10 years old that I just can't say, oh, hey, I know what's about to happen, that people will be skeptical. So it took me being an adult, and I went ahead and um, I relayed what was going to happen in the dream to one of my coworkers, and I went ahead and relayed the scene five hours in advance, and that scene played out. So I'm kind of left in the position where either – that coworker is a figment of my imagination, or this dream really did play out to be specific. It was something that was, um, what do you say, not privy to interpretation. It was exact. I said um, that we was going to have a problem at work today, and that problem would be solved right at this specific hour. Did you specify the problem? No, I specify the time that the problem would be fixed. Okay, so basically, all right, let me run down this and see if this is fair. You have dreams about the future. Yes. And they seem to be coming true. Yes. Okay. And one of those dreams, which you relayed to a coworker, is we're going to have a problem at work today and we're going to solve it at 345. Okay. Something, something like that. Yes. And then on that day, you had a problem, and it was solved about 3.45. No, it was right on the dot, like right when we was able to go ahead and um, open up. Okay. So let me, just, down to let, the me, minute. let me just start with the easy part here, and that is let's assume that everything that you just said is completely accurate. Okay. So what we have here is a case where you can dream about things that are going to happen in the future, and you're, you're okay. accurate. And I'll just say, for the sake of argument, you're 100% accurate. How does, that prove, okay. how does that prove or even imply a God in any way? Um, it actually doesn't. Okay. Uh, it's what made me go ahead and think that um, the world is not as mundane as I hear a lot of people say it is. Um, since these extraordinary things happen, the world can't be so mundane. Like, I'm having these dreams, sure. and finally, uh, after so many years, I got uh, another person to verify it. Sure. And it's not something privy to interpretation. I got it right down to the minute. Right, but I understand. But we had first of all, we had asked about why you believe that there's a God, and then you gave us a story, and then you acknowledged that that story doesn't in any way indicate a god or the likelihood of a god or anything along those lines. So so that story is not really relevant to this. The second thing is if you can actually do what you think you can do, then I would call up James Ramsey. Well, you you can't actually call up James Ramsey anymore because he's retired and the J ref is not uh actually doing the million dollar, million dollar challenge. Um but I would think that if you could keep a dream diary so every night when, when you have one of these dreams, 
write down, write it down in as much specific detail as you can, and immediately seal it, put it a stamp on it, and send it to somebody who you know. Send it to me, and then when the event comes true, you can you can. We could, but you know what's going to happen, so you should be able to like record it or get a bunch of other people involved. And once we have a record of you've been sending me your predictions and they've been, they've come true, I can then take that to people who would be more than happy to test this to see if in fact you can do what you do. Because I can tell you this, I could right now write down a prediction that is very specific, seal it in an envelope, mail it to you, and it would absolutely come true. And there's nothing supernatural about it. Now, I realize that what I'm talking about isn't the same as, oh, I had a dream and it came true. But we have to, you know, we, you have to look at this and you have to investigate it in the right way. So if you think you're having dreams that allow you to predict the future, then why haven't you submitted that for testing? Why wouldn't that be something wonderful and useful to the world? Because I think ultimately it's like how you're looking at uh, X-Men and you look at the mutant powers. I think... That would be kind of like a lame power. A lame like, power. Oh, these certain, these so, so hang on. No, 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 fucking no. First of all, you're claiming to have a power to predict the future, and your reason for not having it tested is that you think it might be a lame power? Given the current state of the universe in which we live, it would be the most impressive power that has ever been confirmed. That would be like, uh, no, you know, man. like one of the weaker uh, superheroes, like, oh, I don't know, Aquaman, <laughs> saying, no, yeah, I can breathe underwater, but I don't want it to get tested. I can talk to the animals, but I don't want to get tested because it would be a weak-ass superpower. We can agree with him that it's weak in comparison to everybody else that he runs with. But if there's somebody out there right now on Earth who can breathe water and talk to animals and they're not getting tested, holy Matt. crap, they're awesome. <laughs> Aquaman Matt, is only so awesome in the real world, not in the fictional world. Matt, if you're telling me that you could do the same exact thing without any supernatural, but then you're also trying to laugh about me when I say it, it would be lame. What, what, what Matt's is saying is that I'm a magician. I can make it appear that I can do what you claim that you're doing for real. Okay, so if so, if you could do it as well, how would it be so spectacular that I'm doing it? Because I'm doing it by trickery, and you're claiming that you're getting dreams that predict the future. And that's why we need more testing. And that's why you test it, to figure out which one of us is the bullshit con artist, the magician, <laughs> and which one of us is actually Aquaman. <laughs> but in any case, we went through all this. And your, and, and, and your superpower, you acknowledge, doesn't in any way confirm a god. So I don't know how it was remotely an answer to the question. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I would never actually, you know, kill anybody. But, I, you know, in, as a figure of speech, I'd kill to have that crappy power that you think you have. So, that, that'd be awesome. So do you think we're being too skeptical here about the god claim? I don't think we are. I, I, um, there doesn't seem to be any there there. I kind of do still think you're being too skeptical. Okay. 
I tell you what, we got a lot of callers waiting, and, and I didn't even give Don much time to talk. So no, that's, that's fine. We, we can move okay. on, though. The, the address for the Atheist Community of Austin is at the bottom of the webpage. It's 1507 West Koenig Lane, Austin, Texas, and the zip code's down there as well. You can just mail me your I'm, dreams. and uh, I'll well, say I think it's amazing how, uh, at the same time, if I say it's lame and that you could do it as well, that that's laughable. No, what I'm saying is that I could mimic the type of thing that you're claiming that you're doing. I, I can't do it. I can't have a dream that actually predicts the future. I, I, so, Or at least it's never happened. But I could stand on stage with a prediction of something that's going to happen later in the show and tell people that it was a dream. And if they didn't know, you know, uh, the, the, I'm talking about... The stagecraft. Yeah, the outside observer looking at the two of us, we both walk up and say we had a dream uh, and make a prediction, and they both come true. Mm-hmm. And to the outside observer, they look exactly the same. Right? We need we need to have a way to tell the difference between what I can do and what you can do, and that's why it's imperative to, you know, get yourself tested. I feel like you just forced a joke upon me, forced me into making me a joke because you you hold one way how it is amazing and it's no, not no 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 at the same time. No, I'm I'm not claiming I'm not I'm not making you a joke. I don't believe that what you're stating is accurate, but I'm willing to believe if you actually provide evidence for it. People ask me, hey, what would convince you that a God exists? I don't don't know, but but saying, I don't know what would convince me a God exists, but I know exactly what would convince me that you have this power you claim. And that is for you to consistently produce, here's what's going to happen that is out of your control, you know, this this event's going to happen somewhere, and then it happens. For you to consistently do that, you would convince me. It's 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 easy. Yeah, there's a process there that's, that's pretty straightforward. If I kept getting a phone call every morning from somebody saying, hey, I had a dream about you last night, and in two hours, you know, you're going to get the wrong change at the drive-thru window, and they're going to give you 15 cents too much, and two hours later I'm at the drive-thru window and it's 15 cents too much... That's kind of impressive. Or how about how about predicting earthquakes or something useful? You know. Well, <laughs> predicting earthquakes, by the way, came up last weekend when I was well, right yeah. in, in Tennessee. Because I'm going to go and let you go, Zane, because we're going to get to other callers. But I'm going to get my earthquake story okay. out. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. So there was an earthquake in Oklahoma, but it was felt in Kansas City and other places. And mm-hmm. some of my friends in Kansas City were like, "Oh my gosh, there's an earthquake." Uh, and because that's unusual, even though sure. one of the biggest earthquakes in United States history happened in Missouri. Um, but the thing is, this shows how bad we are at assessing things. Because if you go to the U.S. government's uh, website that tracks earthquakes, you will see they happen all the time. Mm-hmm. By the time somebody had reported, you oh, know, right. feeling something in Kansas City, not only had there been an earthquake uh, out at five point three or so just outside Oklahoma City. But there was another one in Oklahoma. There was one more over in Nevada. There was, and this was like 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm. I mean, this, this had already been going on. There were 30, 40 earthquakes. They're happening all the time. It's just most of them are minor, and most of them affect places where it's not a big deal. And when you get the, the, the feeling, you're in Kansas City, Missouri, and you've never felt an earthquake, uh, and all of a sudden there is one, hey, it's a big deal. And it is. I don't, I'm not diminishing it because it could, could be deadly and dangerous. But if you actually go look at the statistics on earthquake, it's wholly unimpressive. But if you could consistently predict, like, massive earthquakes, like everything six or seven and higher, and you could say, yep, tomorrow at 3.15 p.m., just outside Oklahoma City, there's going to be a 6.7 
magnitude earthquake, and you could, you know, this was a replicable thing that we could consistently do. We wouldn't know how you had those powers, but we would definitely be convinced that you had this ability. Uh, we don't know That'd why. That would be a genuinely good thing. Yeah. Right? You could help, help people out, prepare for these things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, Aqu- still, still Aquaman no God doesn't here. completely suck. Still no God here. <laughs> Let's take another call. Yeah. Um, Alex, thanks for waiting. You're in Rockville, Maryland. And you're on with Don. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Hi. Yes, uh, this touches a bit on your Arthur C. Clark quote, so I hope it isn't redundant. Uh, it's sort of a probabilistic argument for the existence of something like God. Uh, it's I, I'm going to use a Socratic method, if that's okay. I'm sorry? I couldn't, I'm going I could... to use the Socratic method, if that's okay. Sure. He wants to prove God using a, a, a probabilistic argument. Yeah, I don't know how you could prove right. God using. Okay. The first question is: the first question is, do you think it's likely that there is intelligent life outside of our planet, somewhere in the universe or multiverse? Yes, I'm not sure. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that uh, it is likely that, that there is intelligent life. How, how, well, uh, let me, hang on. If if, okay. if you're going to make a case for something and you want to use the Socratic method, and your you, your your process depends on getting a yes answer, and my answer is I don't know, how do you just keep going? Well, I gave him a yes. All right, we'll, we'll go with Don. We'll go with Don's yes for now. I'm I'm too easy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, to answer your question before I go with Don's yes, um, I'm sort of piggybacking, piggybacking off of something called the Drake equation. That I, I, yeah, we're familiar with. I'm it. very familiar with it, and uh, I I have some objections to it. We, we but, consider it a weak argument, but I I think that the Drake equation demonstrates um, a foundation under which you can evaluate the probability that there may be other intelligent life in the universe. But that's a separate thing from having good reason to believe that it is the case. For example, uh, if I sit here and I roll a die, well, there, I know the probability is, you know, if it's a six-sided die, I know the probability is one in six that I'm going to roll a six. And so if you ask me, do I believe that it's going to come up a six, my answer is going to be no. I'm not convinced that it's going to come up a six. But if you ask me, do you think that there's a one in six chance it'll come up a six, I'm going to say yes. And so it's all about how you ask the question. And the existence of God is not some sort of stochastic random event. It's not like a die roll. It's either true or false. And, and you know, you really can't get at it from probabilities. Um, it, it's, it's a mi- I think that using probabilities to talk about God is really a misapplication of probability. But we'll let, well, we'll let you try anyway. I was going to say something like God, but obviously... Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Something like God. What's God well, like? Get there when I, what's what's God I like? I haven't gotten to that point yet. Okay. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Well, I, I hope uh, you well, will I because uh, because if you're if you're if you're playing games with the, the destination here, uh, you 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 might just claim you're you're there already. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're God like. We we do all sorts of miraculous things. I don't when know how exist. you can. I don't know how you can <laughs> say you haven't gotten there yet because that would to me seem to be like an assumption or a it, definition. Know, hey, we need this definition. Well, Okay, I'll go through the three questions really quickly on the assumption that you agree with all of them, just for the sake of argument. Is that okay? Yeah. Sure, that's completely fair. Well, I I think the audience was curious what what, what you're coming up with. Yeah, I want to hear them, so we'll just pretend I've said yes. (laughs) Okay, the second question is, do you think it's likely 
that there are civilizations or beings that are more advanced than we are somewhere in the universe or multiverse. Let's pretend I said yes. Yes, and the third question is, do you think it's likely that there are beings or a being that is so far in advance of ourselves that makes us look like viruses or bacteria by comparison? No. And it has powers which are incomprehensible to us in our current state, and powers and qualities which are incomprehensible to us. No. Okay, well. Um, see, if, I, if, if, if you were to have answered yes to each of those questions, then you arrive at something which, I mean... It's still not God. Even mean, if I said yes to all of them, it's still not God. Well, that, then it comes down to how do you define God? And I would, I would argue, which is where we get to this something like so, that. So the, so the God of classical theism is not in any way bound by space and time and su- su- highly advanced... Uh, civilizations within our physical universe would be? Well, unless they had figured out a way not to be bound by space and time. Okay, yeah, well then... Sure. <laughs> and, and you know what? If they, were, if they were bound by space and time and they figured out a way to escape that, they're still not God because God was never bound by space and time. According to the traditional definition of God, that's true, but I would argue that the definition of God evolves. I mean, basically, it's evolved in our history in the sense that the God that a lot of people worship now is not the renovated Canaanite sky God that the Hebrews worship. So So, so you're arguing that it's a concept. It's an evolving concept, yes. Okay. Okay, We're, We're on the same page, then. Okay, well, then, then you guys enjoy this entire page because this to me, this, this entire line of argument to me is the biggest time-wasting thing I could imagine when it comes to trying to prove a God. Because essentially, hey, there's, there's been billions of people who have believed in the God of classical theism or a God that would fit under the bill of classical theism or some other God like that. And now, because we can't demonstrate the truth of this and we can't confirm the supernatural. Now we want to say, well, it's possible and perhaps likely that there might be other life in the universe. And it's possible that some of that might be intelligent. It's possible that some of that might be advanced intelligence. And maybe they've even found a way to become gods. Well, okay, if we're going to talk about the probability of things, we can do probabilities about things that we know how many stars there are? What's the rate that stars are are are, are being uh, coming into existence? How many planets are they likely to have? What, what's the likelihood that a planet's going to be able to sustain life of some time? What, what's the what is the the limits on a civilization's advancement? You know, what's the likelihood that they're going to completely terminate themselves or end through some other natural disaster? Well, now we've entered not only the realm of science fiction of uh, and and by the way, we're ignoring things that Sean Carroll would, would call the known unknowns, uh, but you can dig into that on your own. But now we're actually going a step beyond the science fiction and saying, you know what, maybe there's a possibility that they found a way to violate the laws of space and time. You have absolutely no foundation and can currently have no foundation for assuming that that is even possible, let alone probable. And yet you're going down this entire road in order to get to something God-like. Yeah, it seems like it's twist, well, I'm twisting not every which way and bending over backwards to try to to try to accommodate some crazy belief. And it's like, okay, well, oh, it's why not bother? A it's, a specula- it's a speculation, really. 
I am not interested in speculation. I'm interested in what's actually real and what can be demonstrated. I couldn't give a rat's ass about Bayesian analysis that prove that that seems to demonstrate that God exists, or probabilistic arguments that talk about advanced tech, advanced alien technologies and uh, capabilities that might be godlike. It's absolutely, it's a complete waste of my time. Um. Well, maybe it's, I don't know. I'm 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 a former relig- comparative religion major, so I guess it it may seem like uh, angels dancing on the head of a pin to you or whatever. But it's worse than that. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. Because at least there's a theological foundation under which we might be able to discuss this. Yeah. But there's no theological foundation for something godlike that is ultimately alien and of the natural world. So, I mean, you're well, so far divorced from it's, everything. It's trying to be sciencey. Well, why do you care if there's a theological foundation if you don't really believe in theology anyway? All I'm saying, all I was saying, I was making a relative comparison between how useless your argument is and how useless the other one is. And the, and the big thing is that there are billions of people who believe in angels. When you, when we get to a state where there are billions of people who believe that there's an advanced alien intelligence that can, can, circumvent the, the the laws of space and time, then all of a sudden it'll be relevant. Um, well, I mean, basically you're saying, I think one of the things you're saying is that we can't demonstrate any of the probabilities, so there's no solid foundation to any of this. Well, we, can't, we can demonstrate some of the probabilities. We can't demonstrate all of them. And there are some that are clearly not demonstrable, which is the objection. But we're on the way to being, I mean, basically, if we can demonstrate some of the probabilities of there being, say, life in the rest of our universe at all, that's a step in the in the same direction. Maybe we can't demonstrate the probabilities of, say, intelligent life or life as intelligent as us. Well, no, I'm talking about can't demonstrate the probability of being able to violate the laws of space and time. Yeah, the, the, the God claims are that God is transcendent and, and outside of space and time and you know, created the universe and all these other claims, and and we're not we're not getting anywhere near there. Um. See, I kind of think that okay, when we're talking about violating the laws of space and time, um, we have a certain perception of space and time, and we have a certain perception of those laws of space and time, and perhaps our perception of those laws are far more limited than. Such an advanced being would have the time. The time to embrace those things is when we when we have evidence for it, not 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 based on speculation. Um, I'll have to think about that one. That's a good point. All right. Well, thanks for your call, Alex. I, I think maybe we'll move on to other callers. Okay. I hope I haven't wasted too much time. We appreciate your call. Thanks. Bye. Let's take another call. Sure, Pierre in Los Angeles. Thanks for waiting. Hey, Matt. Hey, Don. Hey. Uh, just have a, a question that um, uh, I'm I'm a non-believer, atheist or agnostic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, I always have a discussion with uh, friends. And I have one friend in particular who, uh, you know, he has this argument as if it's just like the knockdown argument of um, um, for in defense of religion, this uh, particular religion, Christianity. Oh, awesome. And, uh, Wait on us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not that impressive to me, but he, he, he uh, thinks it is. But um, <clears throat> he says, uh, "Wait, wait, so, wait! I predict we've heard it before." 
Am I psychic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I, 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 I predict that it is an argument that he's not religious but has a personal relationship with the risen Christ. <laughs> I predict it's an argument from ignorance. <laughs> yeah, you guys are, you guys have a power. You are medium. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. We're, we're making fun. So what's, what's the case? <laughs> well, he, he says, uh, um, so you disagree with your government. So why don't you leave your country? And, he, and that's the argument he's using in defense of his religion, the reason why you should not abandon religion. Because he said if you disagree with it, you know, you shouldn't abandon it, the way that you should not abandon your uh, country when you disagree with it. Can, can, re, can religions be rehabilitated? I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, even, that's the bigger point here is that uh, – you know, he, he don't, um, I'm trying to understand that. So, I'm, I'm trying to get him to understand that. So first yeah, of all, know. first of all, there are plenty of scenarios where when people sufficiently disagree with the government that is running their country, they do leave. And sometimes they leave to save their own life. Um, it's the reason why we're trying to get atheist bloggers out of places like Bangladesh where they're being murdered for not believing what the state dictates they must believe. Um, why I don't leave the United States merely because I disagree with the government is because the government isn't one thing. The government is a collection of people, human beings, who are elected. It's a participatory process. I can be, and actually was at one point, part of the government. Um, so you don't get to just write it off as a monolithic thing. But the fact that people are violating the rights of others doesn't mean that we just give up and move on. It means we point this out, we correct the errors, we expose what's going on, and we keep pointing back to the Constitution. And when the Constitution's wrong, we get to amend that too. Um, so, but, but what he's arguing is, oh, well, I, I disagree with some aspects of my religion, but that doesn't mean I, I should throw it out. And I agree, because there's over a thousand denominations that all identify as Christian, for example, they disagree on all sorts of things. The reason to continue identifying as a Christian is because you agree with some significant collection of those positions. So telling me that he, or him telling me, or you telling me on his behalf that there are things about his religion that he doesn't agree with is irrelevant. I want to know what he does agree with and why. That's the important thing. I, I would like to know what he doesn't agree with as well. Uh, and I think once he starts making a list of what he does and doesn't agree with, you're going to find even more contradictions than if he had just, you know, said, oh, I'm a Christian. Yes. Well, well the thing is, he uh, he don't even like to be called religion, uh, religious, period. Like, uh, we'll have a discussion. And I'll say, okay, you're religious. But she's no, she says, no. I'm Nailed not. it. Say, <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it, on the call screeners. Oh, notes. Then you cheated. I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't have a dream about this call. It's on the call screener notes. You're too honest. But that's exactly how I would fake having a dream about this. So he doesn't exactly. like being called religious. Okay, now now we're having a discussion about what somebody's what label somebody's going to adopt for their own. Um, yeah. And that's, Who cares? that's a yeah, separate that's, issue. I mean, yeah. would I love it if if uh, everybody who fit my particular uh, definition of atheist to actually use a label? Sure. Uh, would I love it if everybody agreed on how to use that label or use the agnostic label or whatever? Sure, I'd love that. But at the end of the day, um, 
apart from sowing confusion by saying, you know, like if I walked into the show today and said, I'm a Christian again, but I don't believe in anything supernatural and I don't believe there's a God and I don't believe there's, nobody is going to look at me and say, okay, you have, I have no grounds for claiming that I'm a Christian. And so I am misusing the label, but if there were a number of people who identified as atheist Christians, uh, who threw all that out, kind of use the Thomas Jefferson, let me pick out the bits of, of what Jesus supposedly said that I like, um, then I'd be a, a new denomination of Christian. Unfortunately, I, d- I don't agree with that much that Jesus actually said, so I can't even do that. So so what's he, he getting at? I mean, I, I, whether or not he likes to be called religious um, is irrelevant. It's like, I might not like being called bald. But if, if the hat, if the hat fits, uh, and actually I don't mind if somebody calls me bald, even before I started, you know, shaving my head, I don't mind that. Go but, up you baldy. But yeah. what good does it do? Yeah, go up that bald head. Yeah. What good does it do for me to come in here and say, if somebody says, hey, Matt's bald. No, no I don't like being called bald. I am just. That's right. Follicle you come across as delusional on my, and paranoid yeah. at that point. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're basically, you know, you're divorcing yourself from reality for no good reason. I actually had a pastor come to my door and, and claim that he was not promoting religion. And it's like, okay, well, golly, you're not having a religion. And does, does, does your church get a tax exemption for religion? Yeah. <laughs> and are you willing to give that money back? <laughs> That's I came better. to the yeah. conclusion that he was, you know, happy to say anything that that, that came to his mind that uh, might convince me to come to his church. But, but uh, yeah, if you're just going to argue about labels, don't. I mean, just say, okay, you don't like to be called religious. I, I'm more interested in what you actually believe and why you believe it than what you want to call it. I think what yeah. people call it is important only in the sense that it's like words don't have intrinsic meaning; they have usages, and they're only tools. And so the only way for us to communicate is if if the words I use or the and the words you use line up at least mostly. I mean, it's not you're not going to get 100% agreement and there's going to be jargon and shortcuts. Um but if if by uh Coke Zero I mean this and you mean unicorn poop <laughs> Uh, we got a problem when we're talking about this. You can't have a productive conversation. And at some point, it sounds like it becomes dishonest at some point. Um, anyway. But yeah, but, I, yeah. We, we talked all over that. I, I don't know if you had anything else other than that, but. No, 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 yeah. That was, that was basically it because I, I felt that it was very important to apply a label to it because we're, we'll talk in circles unless we establish, uh, labels, you know, and I'm trying to clarify things. Yeah, know, they're and, shortcuts. And, and, yeah, you know, so, it's easier to do that opposed to just calling him what he wants to be called. You know, it's, yeah, like you know, that's the whole purpose of language and the whole purpose of labeling things. But labels also get in the way on occasion. And when people want to deny a label, then as cumbersome as it is, you have to have invent a new label. Call it kerfuffleboo. <laughs> and say, let's define kerfuffleboo as your package of beliefs about the supernatural or whatever, whatever, whatever you're trying to avoid putting the religious label on it. And then we'll, we'll put all this together. And then when we're talking about it, we'll use that label so that we don't have to always say, 
Okay, when you say that you believe in blah, 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 what exactly is your reason for believing that? We can just say kerfuffle blue. Well, and, you know, I think that maybe what is motivating this person is, I think nearly everybody has their own version of their own religion that they really believe. And while they may go to a Methodist church or a Baptist church or whatever, it's like they're not, they're not completely in line with those beliefs. They, they have their own little things that they believe. And maybe he's just sort of admitting to that, that, hey, there are these other beliefs out there. And at the end of the day, I think everybody has their own beliefs. There's, there's many Christianities as there are, People calling themselves Christian, yep. and and that makes it a bit difficult for us to argue against because the, the, there's there's no set belief, there's no set thing that you're that you're you're fighting against here. It's like you know trying to trying to box ghosts or something because it's 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 all different for each person. Yep. So that's that's why we have over the years, and and Matt's really been a big advocate of what do you believe and why, and focusing on that rather than assuming anything uh, about that. And, and he just may just be trying to dodge the whole uh, the baggage that comes along with religion and such. So that, that may be what's going on there. It may, it's also why I don't talk about what is, what's a true Christian? What's a true Muslim? What's a true Scientologist? What's a true Zoroastrian? You know, I, I don't make those claims because I think that the adherents are the ones that get to define and argue amongst themselves, which is great. That's I mean, right. we'll, we'll, we'll eat some popcorn while we're watching. Right? When, when they sort it out, <laughs> then the winner can call in and tell us what a true right. Muslim is. Well, yeah, well, call us when you figure that out. <laughs> I, want, I want to get, try, and, try and get to some more calls, but the best advice I can give you is, um, okay, if he's gonna, if he's gonna just kind of dance around with labels, throw the labels out the window and get to the meat yeah. of it. But, Be pedantic uh, and yeah. do, do definitions. Take care. Thank you. So we're trying to get some more calls uh, before the show's over. We've got about uh, 17 minutes or so left before we're going to bolt and go to Star of India, which they're going to put up on the bottom of the screen there with the address and everything else. Uh, it's open to any atheist or atheist-friendly person in the Austin area who wants to come down and and uh, some of the folks involved behind the scenes that are that actually make the show happen. Cause we, yeah, the real heroes of the show. Yeah, <laughs> especially, especially in that the, room. Not, yeah, <laughs> especially on the tech front as things get better. Yes. Uh, and, and I know that uh, some of them have also been working with nonprofits and, and making improvements to audio quality. So hopefully uh, we're getting there. I love the fact that since we put the phone system in and got the audio stuff set up, um, my enjoyment of the show has dramatically increased because you, as a listener, as, an, as yeah, a, well, yeah, and just sitting here doing it, there's uh-huh. there's few things more frustrating apart from me interrupting you when you want to talk. That's fine. <laughs> than having a bad call where nobody can hear each other. It's, oh yeah, oh. yeah. And fussing about technical stuff is is am, doesn't I'm make good TV. So glad that seems to be. Let's uh, take another mostly call. over. We got uh, Brittany in Farmville, Virginia. Oh. Thanks for waiting. Hi. Um, yeah, so I um, am a master's student, and I'm studying mental health counseling. Um, oh, great. So, yeah, so we've had to do a paper about advocacy for certain client groups, and mm-hmm. I've decided to do atheists because I have recently kind of transitioned over to atheism and all the stuff that goes with oh, that. Oh, good, because the alternative um, is that you thought we were mentally ill. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I've been kind of trying to look at different groups and and people who are kind of outspoken atheists and ask them, do you have any experience personally with uh, counseling? And like, have you had any negative experiences or any 
kind of positive experiences where it really was kind of catered to that you have this specific worldview. You know, Tracy uh, is probably the best person to ask this question of. She's done a lot of um, shows and a lot of uh, research into, you know, religion during counseling. I don't know if that's quite what you're getting at. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think in my experience, I, I have been through some therapy, and I, I think that the, the the best therapy that I've gotten has been by people who didn't really care, uh, didn't have an agenda as far as what they wanted me to believe. They they were there to help me with whatever issue I was working on, and I, I think mm-hmm. that you know, is, if 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 I were working on religion, that might be a good topic for conversation. If I'm not working on religion, then it's not a good topic of conversation in the therapy, right? It's it's that sort right. of thing, right? It's the, it's the boundaries and and not 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 having the therapist insert themselves. And and I'll say, agenda. this is a good time to to reference the Secular Therapist Project. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the website. If anybody's looking, is seculartherapy.org. And the purpose of it is there were a number of non-believers who you know ended up uh, needing to speak to somebody for any number of reasons, whether it was you know, marriage counselor, depression, um, various mental illnesses, who knows what, what, are, what the issues were. And what they would end up with is a religious counselor or therapist who would advise them, you know, in some cases, oh, well, what's missing in your life is, you know, a relationship with God sort of thing. And yeah. uh, Daryl Ray and some others got together, started the Secular Therapist Project, and it should be, I don't, I am hoping that it becomes like the de facto standard because it will connect you to a therapist. Not somebody who's necessarily an atheist, um, does, you know, what, what their, what their personal views are about religion are irrelevant, but they are therapists who proceed from a secular perspective so that when you're actually receiving treatment, you're not being fed religious, uh, do- doctrines, yeah. you, you are actually getting science-based secular therapy um, that can hopefully help with the issues. Yeah, and I've um, I have actually been in contact with them, and they're pretty excited because there's not really a whole lot of like research in this area, but there is quite a big push right now for more religion to be involved in therapy and for you know counselors to kind of be more advocates of their beliefs, which is kind of scary to me right now. Yeah. And, 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 and Jesus, I have loves, to, Jesus loves a captive audience, doesn't he? I, well, <laughs> hey, why, 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 do they, why does he keep going after people in need? Um, but yeah. So the thing with, with um, working more religion into therapy, um, if what they were talking about was meeting the person where they are, um, mm-hmm. talking about what they're religious perspectives or what they feel that they need, et cetera, without injecting the therapist's own views. Um, I'm not, I don't even know that I would really object too much to that because I think that, you know, even me as an atheist, if I was a, if I was counseling someone, um, if they walked in and they were having problems and it seemed that the problems were stemming from their religion, then I would want to talk about their religious views, what they are getting out of it, what they're not getting out of it. I wouldn't necessarily be guiding them towards atheism in a counseling session because that's not my job. Um, yeah. But if it, if I were convinced that uh, the religion was actually causing problems, I think that I would be you know obligated to point that out, that perhaps uh, their their particular view of their own religion, which seems to be causing them you know stress and anxiety and whatever else, uh, that might, they might need to rethink those things. 
And on that front, yeah. I could see it. But if if the push is to get the therapist to, and I'm I would I'm guessing that the push is amongst Christian therapists um, to to inject their own views. Uh, no, that's that's bad science. That's bad therapy. That's bad caregiving. Yeah. Uh, yes. Even though well, they're convinced it's good. Yeah, and Tracy and and her her friend over in England, uh, I think it's Bob Poole, is that right? Would would claim that it's unethical and, and unprofessional yeah. from the part of the therapist. Yeah, I certainly have no problem with um, you know counselors kind of you know saying that they're Christian and and working with clients who do believe. But I think that we we certainly have a problem of people going in for counseling to a you know a counselor who is not claiming any sort of religious belief, and then they're kind of getting blindsided by prophesizing. And and especially um, with, like, an issue like today, there's, you know, grief counseling would be a big thing after something like this. And I think all too easy to get a counselor who is going to kind of blindside you and try and make you believe. Oh, they're in a better place, and Jesus is looking after them. I really hope to to see the the entire... um, therapy movement push to change the way we as a society talk about and deal with death because I am personally convinced, although I have no expertise in this area at all, um, that the, the reason we have the, the grief-related issues that we have is because we live in a society that does not view death in in a rational way where we've it's the, it's the reason religions will say oh well you you know you'll meet them again on the other side or somebody's still looking out for you and all the other things i think if we if we started from childhood uh saying hey it's okay to be sad about losing someone from your life um death is the final part of life. It's, it's the last thing. It's going to happen to everybody so far as we know. And encouraging people to make sure that their relationships for the course of their life were done without the, the carrot dangling there of, well, if, if my mom dies tonight, uh, the fight we've had today that, or, you know, six months ago that has kept us from talking, we'll get to fix it on the other side. And that would encourage people to fix the problems now to treat people better in the now. If this is, if, the, if this is the only one and only life we get, and any afterlife is a bonus that we don't know anything about, I, I think that would not only change the way we treat each other, but also change the way we view grief and view death. But I don't know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, no, that's. I think that's definitely a good point. I mean, I saw a counselor who was working with a young boy, and his mom had died, and she was like, "Oh, he's just mad at God." I'm like maybe he's at, maybe he's upset that his mom died. Like yeah. that might be the real issue here. Yeah, yeah, so it's bizarre. That it's sad. There's some issues to to deal with there, and I'm I'm on the same page as you, and, and hoping that you know there can be some strides made in the field. Yep, yep. Well, thank you, well, Brittany. Thank you guys so much. I just wanted to, you know, see if you guys had any experiences. And um, thanks so much for doing the show. I've, I've loved watching it, and it's definitely helped with uh, my transition. Great. Well, great. Great. Thank, thank you. you. And keep helping people. Uh, 
because it's it's needed. I will do that. I plan to be a, plan to be part of the secular therapy project when I'm licensed. That, so. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, we we need to do a lot more work in eliminating the stigma around mental illness, where you know, uh, both in the language and, and how we talk about it and how we end up treating people. Um, you know, is, is somebody who had kidney failure, you're not going to go up and. Oh man, that, do do this sort of thing yeah. to them. And <laughs> look at that dude there. Yeah. He's got kidney failure. But, you know, it's 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 bizarre the way we we treat people. When uh, I think that there's there's almost a public perception that if you have some mental illness, that you are uh, the stereotypical uh, wandering, aimless. Town, you know, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of different mental illnesses and different impairments, and you know, some people who can who are mentally ill can be very functional. Um, there can be a lot of hidden stuff, uh, latent stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the stigma the stigma isn't at all helpful. So Haroon, thanks for waiting. Oh hi, I'm calling from um, well, I'm calling from Australia. Oh great, so. Uh, yeah. Whereabouts? Um, so you're uh, in Adelaide, Adelaide, Australia. Ah, the one town that I didn't get to go to that everybody wanted to go to. Uh, I we, we did yes. Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Perth, and the people in Adelaide were like, "Why didn't you come here? We have more churches than anywhere." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so I I'm so I listen to your video. So I I think you guys believe that obviously you believe in evolution as being. Um, uh, factful, factful. So I just wanted to know, like, because you know how you believe that uh, the Earth was created billions of years ago. Well, I don't believe it was right? created, but go ahead. Well, well, it came into form billions of years ago. Yeah. The, the Earth is, what, four and a half billion years old, roughly? Yeah, so, like, how how can someone observe that? How, well, there wasn't someone who observed it. It is, it is the evidence from that that we assess. So in much the same way that um, I didn't observe my grandmother being born, but I believe she was born, and I believe she was born roughly in the year that she tells me she might be a little bit off. So but, but, you guys believe billions... But your, your question seems to be, how does, how does science come to this conclusion? Well, there's all sorts of different lines of evidence, right? We have, we, uh, you know, can date rocks ba- based on uh, radiometric dating, and there's all sorts of ind- independent ways of confirming that. Um, there is, uh, for evolution, there's, there's things like, uh, you know, DNA. There's things like the fossil evidence. There's things like uh, the geographic uh how evolution appears in islands and these sorts of things and and gives us little laboratories for how things work. And all of these things independently point to the same answer. And so the evidence adds up, and it's very strong for for these sorts of things. But um, you believe that evolution happened millions or billions of years ago? Evolution is ongoing. As soon as there was life, there was evolution. But, but isn't this like uh, a normal belief that like uh, one creature evolved from another creature millions of years ago? You know, do, right? if you, yes if you have, and yesterday. Yes and yesterday. Do, do your kids? Do you have kids? Yes. Okay. Do they look exactly like you? Are they clones of you? 
well, they're not clones, but they have similar features. Similar sure. features. So they have they have some features that are the same and some features that are different, right? So they're different. That's so right, yes. over time, um, there can be lots of changes that occur over time, right? Okay. Well, what I don't understand is if you're like, because that's what we've been taught in school that one creature over time evolves into another creature. No, 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 no. It's not that. like that's just it's it's it's. Evolution describes the change in species, not like one individual. It's not like, hey, there was one giraffe and it gave birth to a dolphin. Evolution doesn't say okay. that that's the case at all. In- so, instead, so if I'm correct, then evolution... Oh, sorry, keep going. Instead, what evolution talks about is the observed fact um, that over time, there's changes in allele frequency and and changes in the DNA that result in different features. And so the change is a fact. The theory of evolution by natural selection is the model that says that the driving force behind which ones survive and which ones don't survive is the, the natural order at the time and place that that creature exists. And so what we end up with is not a ladder of this turned into this turned into this, but a tree where we are related to cousins on other branches. Like, we, we are apes. Right. Human beings are apes. Yes. The common descent. And and is, yeah, the branching thing is a big part of it because you can have species that branch off and some of the descendants resemble the original species for, you know, millions of years, but some of the other descendants go off and look look differently or, or have different uh, evolutionary pressures, basic, because of... You know, being in a different environment, these sorts of things. Yeah, like you've got a Chihuahua and a Great Dane, and they both are related to wolves because wolves or a wolf ancestor is the ancestor to both wolves and Great Danes and Chihuahuas. Yep. Okay. Well, and they're still I, still I guess, wolves. Uh, this this will take forever to you know talk talk uh, about. But can I just ask you what is your opinion on uh, the platypus? On the platypus. I, I'm yeah. not familiar with, with models that describe platypus evolution. Um, and, and what does this have to do well, with atheism? You know, our, our belief, our, our, our lack of belief in God has nothing to do with evolution. Well, I thought because you have such a strong belief in evolution, I thought because you don't believe in a God, I thought it started... No, no evolution is a big evolution. threat to theism because if evolution is true, there was no Adam and Eve, there was no fall, and there's no reason for Jesus to exist. It's all just gory performance art. Um, so so evolution, can I, can I has, evolution is a big threat to Christianity, but it, it has, it is neither here nor there for atheism. Yeah, if we found out evolution was wrong, like if we found out today that everything in the model that we have for evolution turned out to be wrong... That still doesn't tell us anything about whether or not a god exists. But but don't you think because a platypus is a mammal, bird, and a reptile? No, it's not. That at least proves that. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a platypus is a bird. No, no, no it's, it's not a bird. You are it mistaken. Is a, it is I'm a sorry. duck-billed mammal. So you, not only do you yeah, not so, understand the basics of evolution, but you don't even understand the species that you called in as the gotcha. Uh, it's a duck-billed mammal. And duck build is a description yes, uh, that doesn't make it a bird. It's, and it's, it's also a reptile. Uh, it, it's no, not no. reptilian. Um, Sorry. Yes, because the male has fangs. 
Okay. <laughs> that, that's not the characteristic of reptile. So, the Sorry. <laughs> so you think that the definition of reptile? Well, no, saying, it, you think that the definition of reptile includes the male has fangs? So saber tooth tigers or re- no, reptiles? I tell I you what. What you need to do. What you need to do is go to some of the many great websites that actually describe and teach evolution. Like there's there's one from Princeton as well. There's also one uh, just a theory. Um, you can actually get biology books that go through and describe this. I bet if you Google platypus evolution, you will find a number yeah. of articles on people giving you actual detailed information. But the other, first thing you, you probably oh. need to look up is this, this something called speciation, about one species turning into another, because if you don't understand what that is and how it works, then all the rest is just window dress. Well, uh, well I have researched the platypus evolution. Like, I did look it up on the Internet, but I couldn't find any like valid reason to believe that it evolved. You, you don't find any reason to believe that it's evolved? I, well, I don't know where it evolved from to what creature because yeah. it's, a, it's a you know mammal sure. and a bird. Sure. So, so the thing here is, you you just said you don't know. Cool. How would no, you no. find out? I'm I'm saying I I did my research and I couldn't prove that. So if you can tell are me, are you a biologist? Are you a biologist? Do you have any no, no, expertise? No, no, no. Do you have any expertise in biology at no, all? No, 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 nothing. I'm just a, so because you because you like, were I'm unable not. to come up with an answer. On an area where you have no expertise, your conclusion is it isn't evolved and therefore God? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is I can't. I did a bit of research and I couldn't find any evidence. So I'm just asking you, do you have any evidence? Why are you calling an atheist show to ask about evidence for platypus evolution instead of talking to fucking biologists? That's okay. No, that's okay. Um, don't get angry. I'm just. I, no, I'm not angry. I, I'm just pointing out how how silly this is, and how I do not believe that you're actually being honest at this point. Because somebody who cared about the facts of evolution, the cornerstone of biology, somebody who cared about what is, what do we and don't we know about the biological history and the evolutionary history of a platypus would not call into an atheist show in another country with two non-biologists. To get the answer, anybody who thinks like that is either dishonest in what they're actually seeking and trying to find or horribly confused because I'm not going to call your grandmother or my dentist to ask them about platypus evolution. I'm going to call Richard Dawkins and P.Z. Myers. Okay. Okay. Well, I... I mean, I haven't seen him in person. Well, I understand. I just wanted to... Well, you know I what? The, I, until I had been to Australia, I'd never seen Australia personally. Did that mean it didn't exist? Or that I was uninformed and, and lacked sufficient evidence? What you are personally... What you are personally unable to discover tells us nothing about what the truth is. Oh, no, no. I'm not trying to... I, was just, I just wanted your opinion. I thought you would have more information, but that's okay. Don't... No, because I'm not, my yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a biologist, and my atheism is not that's based fine, that's fine. is not based on evolution. Okay, um, can I just uh, say something about Jesus? Is sure. Okay, so we we have gone over time, but I will let you say something about Jesus before we close I, I, out the show. All all I wanted to just tell you is that you know how you guys well people say that there's no uh, grave of Jesus Christ, or that he wasn't buried. I, I don't know what people no. say. 
you, you, you said it when you're like, you know how people say, or, or you ask people where Jesus' grave I, I don't know that I've ever asked anybody where Jesus' grave is. The, the evidence for historical oh, Jesus no, no, no. is you kind know, of I, weak, but, but we don't care. It, what, what matters is the supernatural claims, and, and the evidence for that is okay. crap. I, I, I don't think okay. I've ever asked anybody where Jesus' tomb is. Because I was a fundamentalist, no, no, no. because I was a fundamentalist Christian for more than 25 years and was studying to be a pastor, and I know that we don't know that. So why would I ask? Okay, I, I just, I just wanted to tell you that. Well, no, no, you, you have asked like you asked some caller and he didn't have an answer. Asked That's who? Reason, I thought you wanted to know. You you called some uh, only one of your shows. Uh, some caller, you know, I was talking about Jesus Christ, and you you said in other question that, oh, where is his, where is he buried? And then he went quiet. So I thought, okay, I don't remember that where his grave was. I don't remember that, but you know, perhaps it happened. What what is it you wanted to tell us about Jesus? Well, all I wanted to know is because we, I'm, I'm Muslim, so we believe that Jesus did not die on the cross. Okay. And we believe he's he's we believe he's buried somewhere. Okay. Why do you believe that? He's, we we. we because we, we believe that he's buried in, in India, in, in Kashmir. Uh, well, when I ask why you believe something and you just tell me what you believe in more detail, that's not a why. <laughs> okay. Why do you we, believe we, that we Jesus believe. is buried somewhere? Because I'm not even convinced that Jesus ever existed, although he may have. But you're convinced that he's buried in Kashmir. Why? Well, we, the reason we believe is because in the Bible, he was, um, when he was taken down from the cross... In, and then he was uh, given, you know, the ointment on his body to he, to heal himself. And then he went to his disciples. And after that, he he migrated to other places. Okay, like, you know, um, the, I, I've asked you, I've asked you why you believe this, and you keep telling me what you believe. Do you, you not know, understand what well, a why that's, question that's, is? That's why I believe it. I believe because it, no, because that's, that's because the Bible says so. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> so <laughs> the Bible doesn't say Jesus went to Kashmir. It doesn't say he migrated anyway. What the Bible has to say about Jesus is that he died and was resurrected and visited people, and then he ascended into the sky. Unless Kashmir's in the sky, you were getting nowhere near the why of what you believe. You're just talking trash. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the thought process that undergirds almost every religious discussion I've ever had, and that includes with Muslims, with Christians, with Hindus. Um, anytime you try to get to the meat of why they believe what they believe, they just tell you more about what they believe. Oh, here's here's why. Because they they don't here's think why. about why they believe things, right? Because that's that's they just believe, and they're taught to believe, and they believe since they're children, and all these things, and. And that's a terrible reason to believe. Yes, it is. <laughs> One more? It's funny. No, because we're, 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 we're done. over time. It's Aww. funny because nobody is satisfied when their parents say, because I said so. And yet seemingly every religious person I've ever met is immensely satisfied with, because I said so, if the I in question is their particular holy book or some supposed expert that they were uh, brought up listening to because I said so, because I said so. Go do your damn homework. Do your homework on evolution. Do your homework on your religion. Go do your homework on your particular religion and the other religions. I support, I wish comparative religions courses were mandatory. I don't want them to be electives. 
I wish they were mandatory in public schools because when I sat through my comparative religions course, I can remember as a Christian sitting there going, man, these people believe bizarre shit. <laughs> and that's, but that's not what, me. That's what she yes, said. You too. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And everybody else who was sitting in that class was thinking the exact same thing. This belief is bizarre. How could they possibly believe it? This belief is, oh, who could seriously believe this? And the thing is, there were representatives of most of those beliefs in that classroom, all thinking that about everybody else. <laughs> now, this show's been on for 19 years or so. Yeah, a long time. I've been hosting for 11, 12, whatever the hell it is now. I don't plan to stop anytime soon. We're probably going to keep going. I don't think religion's going to go away anytime soon. But you want to know what might make religion go away? If we took all the religious people in the world and put them in one place, let's go with South Carolina, because that's what the Christians wanted anyway. <laughs> and then you guys sit there and talk about why, not what you believe, but why you believe it, and have this discussion amongst all of you. As people walk out of South Carolina, I predict, without a dream, they're going to be non-believers. They're going to finally realize that, hey, that old thing about, you know, I, I'm an atheist, that, you know, means I just believe in one less God than you do, or in case of Hindus, several less gods <laughs> than you do. But as soon as you realize, and, and there, there's another old quote, when you realize why you don't accept the religions you reject, you'll, under accept, you'll understand why I reject yours as well. That's the key. So go to South Carolina, hash it out, and then when you're done, if somebody comes up with the one true religion and a justification for us, call us and tell us about it, because we'd love to hear it. But if all you're going to do is call in to tell me what you believe and how you haven't managed to disprove something or prove something, um, or how you have this idea that you might be able to demonstrate the probability of something vaguely godlike that could be a part of the natural world and yet transcend the natural world, even though there's no demonstration of any probability of that, you're wasting our time. Because it's just likely. But it is good fun. So <laughs> thanks for having the discussions, and thanks for giving us the opportunity to expose the flaws that lead to religion. Thanks to the studio audience for hanging out, and to all the guys in the booth over there who make the show happen. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Yay! <laughs> Hi, this is Russell Glasser, host of The Atheist Experience. You know, The Atheist Experience is made possible by volunteers and the generous support of viewers like you. If the promotion of positive atheist culture and of church and state are values that you hold, please consider contributing by becoming an ACA member or visiting our product page at EvolveFish.com under the Partner tab. Thank you. Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. 